So Star Wars then? <laughs> we we could we should just do something that's like, oh, if only a movie that we could talk about came out this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, real slow weekend. Hello, super friends, and welcome to Nerds for Normal People, the podcast that explains nerd culture to the normal world. I am joined today by two of my good friends and co-hosts, Chris Tomlin. Chris, how are you? Great. How are you guys? Doing well. And, of course, Noah Day. I didn't think of anything clever to say. Hello, all. It's okay. I never think of anything clever to say. That's my role here. So, we are, of course, going to talk today about a little indie movie that came out this weekend by acclaimed director Ryan Johnson. It's a little-known thing, but I think I think you should go check it out. It is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Ah, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I heard about that. Uh, you guys are being disingenuous. I understand the... This is all a ruse. <laughs> ah, I see. Just okay. a tiny showing in like four thousand theaters. Keep these, keep the jokes coming. These, uh, these are really intriguing. Okay, so Star Wars: The Last Jedi has been called the most divisive Star Wars movie to date, which I believe now is just every Star Wars movie. <laughs> the best. One of the best jokes I heard about it was just, it's the, like, it's the most polarizing Star Wars film since Rogue One. Was that polarizing? Was it? No. Was it polarizing in the way that people couldn't decide if it was amazingly great or super amazingly great? Or is that the, or is that the joke that it wasn't I, polarizing? So it, well, I think the joke is Rogue One was the most recent Star Wars film before Last Jedi. Right. However, I I have seen people who don't like Rogue One simply for the fact it is a plotline about a Death Star. Where are the Bothans? <laughs> well, it's, they're just like, oh, another story about a Death Star, and then they write off the fact it's actually really good with characters you love and like an interesting plot. I mean, here's the thing about the Death Star. I get it that you don't want to talk about it all the time in every single Star Wars movie, but if there were a giant planet-sized like laser gun roaming about in the galaxy, I think that people would probably talk about it a lot, and it would probably be the mm-hmm. focus of a lot of people's attention all the time. They'd be like, dear God, is it coming this way? Oh God, it's going to destroy that planet. Like, I think it would be in the forefront of people's minds. So if there if if one exists in the Star Wars galaxy, I think that talking about it is is, you know, relevant. I think you're just right. saying. And I think the difference between like Force Awakens and Rogue One is Rogue One was set around the actual Death Star and was just intentionally like that. Force Awakens was they were like it's the Death Star but bigger. You know what I thought was interesting in Rogue One? I thought that the star, the Death Star was uh, even more intimidating, uh, even though it couldn't destroy a whole planet, because uh, it didn't look too, didn't look like too bad of a way to go in A New Hope whenever a giant laser hit your planet and it just exploded into sparkles. Uh, but whenever I watched Rogue One and the laser hit it, I mean, it clearly destroyed the planet anyway. I mean... Why Why put, that's, okay, first of all, what I was saying really is, like, it looked pretty terrifying to be on the planet after it had been hit in Rogue One, uh-huh. but one question I had is that if they have that laser gun from Rogue One that can shoot a planet and cause everything on it to die, isn't that really far enough? Like, the, why did they have to, like, juice it up a little more? Well, the excuse they give in Rogue One for that, and I believe what the answer is, is it could always destroy a planet. But, like, whenever they're saying, whenever they're doing the firings of it in Rogue One, they're saying stuff along the lines of, we'll do, like, a partial charge. So not, like, the full charge completely destroys a planet. The partial charge will just destroy a chunk. A planet. (laughs) If you destroy a chunk of a planet, like, if an asteroid the size of a football field hit... Like in the middle of the United States right now, it would kill ninety-eight percent of life on Earth. So that would be to me destroying a planet, and they hit it a lot harder than that. Just saying. I have a question. If that right. thing in Rogue One was so awesome, 
why did they feel the need to make two other completely different ones in uh, in the Star Wars uh, 4, 5, and 6, and then again in 7, 8, 9? Well, it was the same one as the one in 4. Yeah. Which they were one? building it at the time. It's the, the one same in Rogue Death one. Star as the one in Episode 4, Chris. Oh, okay. It just wasn't done yet. And then and then they rebuilt it in Episode 6 because George Lucas ran out of ideas. And, then, and they're pretty they're pretty quick to put together. You can do it in so a wait, weekend. So wait, so the Rogue... Wait, Rogue One, you're talking Rogue about... Rogue One is a prequel to episode yes, four. right. Did okay. you just realize No, that? no, I, I knew I, I knew that. I think I was thinking of... I think I was thinking of a different thing in Rogue One. I, I've only seen Rogue One once, so forgive me for not having, having completely, like, internalized all that. So I thought you were talking about a different piece of machinery... I never forgive Chris. But the Starkiller base is not the same as the Death Star. No. I mean, not technically. It is just a larger thing to destroy multiple planets. So why the trees on it? Yeah, I don't get... Because it's the size of a planet, and it's like they're like, well, if it's the size of a planet, we should make it look like a planet. Plant some trees on there. Did they make a planet into one, or did they make one into a planet? I it's like making a bong out of an apple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which came first, the bong or the apple? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it. I I think the point you're making is correct. I think it was a planet that they made into a star killer base, probably. But like that thing went through the core. They would have to have basically blown up the planet in order to build it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to the scientists that were writing on that show. Maybe it took him so long to build it that things just started growing on it. Yeah. Could be. Like a hot minute. Well, you know, it's it, Luke Skywalker's still alive in that universe, though, so it didn't take that long. Man, they're quick. It takes, like, you know how long Centerpoint in downtown Lexington has been a giant <laughs> hole in the middle of the city? You get the crew that can build Death Stars in there, and that thing would have already been a, uh, it would have already been a shopping mall, and then like two skyscrapers, and then a community park already. It would have already destroyed the summit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like they built the first Death Star in like nineteen, eighteen, nineteen years, and so like. We are a little over halfway with Center Point to getting, I guess, a full Death Star. Yeah. Mm. You'd think by now you would see something. Was there another <laughs> Star Wars movie we wanted to talk about? Well, let's let's just discuss a bit about the one that came out this weekend. Let's find an interesting segue into it though, so it doesn't seem like we're taking a hard left turn. So interestingly enough, this morning I was eating breakfast. And then now we're talking about Last Jedi. Smooth <laughs> transition. Perfect transition, Noah. Uh, you deserve an actual segue that you can ride around for how good that segue <laughs> was. Awesome. So Star Wars The Last Jedi came out this weekend. It has the second largest opening of all time behind Star Wars The Force Awakens. I think... If you adjust it for inflation, it's third behind Avengers, which just means Disney owns the top three. However, audience reaction to it has been very mixed. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it like a 93% uh, certified fresh, but audience is giving it a, at last check, 54%. And you're getting... Metacritic had the same thing. If critics rated it higher than the audience rated it, uh, meanwhile, CinemaScore, which basically interviews people as they're coming out of the theater, gave it an A. I mean, you're getting some people who are saying there were, like, online campaigns to hack the audience scores to drive it lower. Why? But, what What reason would that? I mean, why would there be any reason to do that? To, I have two things to steal joy from people? Yeah. <laughs> well, I so I read a piece about it uh, earlier, and apparently this alt right group is claiming responsibility for systematically lowering the score audience scores on various websites, uh, and they apparently were contacted by reporters and asked about why, and they gave a lot of really alt righty answers like uh, there's too they're introducing too many female characters. Uh, Luke Skywalker and Poe Dameron 
are at risk of getting uh or they're they're uh victims of the anti-mansplaining movement and all this other like <laughs> bullshit and stuff <laughs> and like but the thing i'll say is that i've heard i've seen so many things where people try to explain it they're like why is this why is it different why is the audience score so low and the critic score so high and like I think you can explain and explain and explain until you're blue in the face, but I think the honest thing is is that there's some people who loved it and there's some people who just felt weird about it when they came out and I think it was really hard to kind of... For me, it was really hard to figure out if I liked it or not because there were so many like weird things that I don't think are good in movies, but I liked all the Star Wars things in that movie, but there were some movie things I didn't like. Like I didn't like things like that I don't like about... A lot of movies like pacing and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, plot lines that don't feel connected to the story as a whole. Mm-hmm. And really, I think those were the two biggest things that, and then sometimes missed opportunities. And then, you know, there were things with like that thing with Leia that happened. I thought that was kind of weird, you know, because you can say, I think we're. I think we're in firmly in spoiler territory now. Well, the thing where she metamorphosed into a dragon, that was really weird and out of nowhere. I think it is a safe bet if you're listening that we will be talking Star Wars. Well, they were spoilers. just they were just but all sitting at a table. They were it. just all sitting at a table playing alien hologram chess, drinking their blue milk, and then just suddenly just erupts into a dragon. Like that was the that felt not Star Wars at all. But and then the pacing I thought was weird. It just felt like, you know, some things were happening a lot quicker than others, and, like, they had, um, you know, the the plot of the movie, like, happened over the time span of, like, a few hours, but then Ray's thing seemed to happen... Over I couldn't months. tell. I couldn't tell if it was months or hours, and then I, I just... And sometimes it felt like they would go down into a rabbit hole on something, and find nothing which is fine but it happened it seemed to happen a lot so i just there was just a couple of things but like it was a great star wars experience it had i think a pretty (laughs) strong opening a very strong end but you have a whole section in the middle where it's like the luke skywalker and ray and kylo ren stuff is interesting but you then have two other plots happening that just go nowhere yeah, basically. Do you think that's because they already gave Finn a pretty good storyline in the first one, and they're kind of trying to spread it out a little bit, and maybe like the next one will have a little more Poe? Well, this one had more Poe storyline in it too, obviously. But I mean, why did they give Finn such a short shrift? Because they kind of really were hanging their hat on him in Force Awakens. I think probably just Ryan Johnson didn't know what to do with the character of Finn. He's such yeah, a great like, character. He's he's a great like in the first one he was such a everyman type of character, which yeah. is great. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what they did? It felt like to me that because uh, I agree with you, and it to me almost felt like they short shrifted him by adding another character with, that was pretty much the same character that was kind of the every every man only you know the the girl Rose. She was yeah. kind of the every man slash woman in this one and kind of went out in front of Finn. So it was like they put a lot of stake in Finn and then were like, let's put this other Finn in there. And she was essentially the resistance version of Finn. She was someone who does a kind of maintenance-ish job that's behind the scenes that doesn't get noticed a lot, who then becomes important to the plot Though I would say not overall important to the plot because, like, their whole subplot really doesn't amount to anything. You guys are acting like um, uh, Poe Dameron getting a bunch of people killed and figuring out how to lose the Empire off their tail and uh, Ray going up against, you know, arguably the, the most dangerous person in the entire universe at this point is... Uh, Almost more important than the fact that uh, Rose and Finn freed 12 horses. 
Right. <laughs> you know, right, you're exactly. Right. You're right. I am forgetting about those 12 horses, <laughs> those 12 space horses. But, and uh, by the way, let's not let Finn get away with anything because, like, you raise a good point earlier today. I think it was, I can't, I think it was you, Noah, but Chris, you also kind of touched on it of like Poe leads to the death of I would say 90% of the resistance and yet even at the end they're loading him on a ship and they're like ah he's still a good guy I like him yeah I felt like every like I used I love Poe when I first met him and then it was like gee every decision he makes makes it seem like he's just like a young asshole who's distrustful of a matriarchal power structure and likes to subvert authority and get hundreds of people killed and then incur no consequences for it whatsoever. Yeah, and then I, they still are like, well, I like that guy. It's yeah. like, you know, if he was in a real yeah. army, he'd be dead. They would have hung him. Like, they're like, nope, this is a bad one. He we has, need to go ahead and snuff him out. He has no responsible being responsible for all those deaths. But he also treats a robot like a dog. Yeah. He like, yeah. His robot's more important to him than the hundreds of other resistance fighters. And then it's like, you know, it teaches you, I think it teaches the wrong lesson that, like, obviously he's going to be in the leader in the next one. It's like, hey, if you make enough stupid decisions and get enough people killed and you're the biggest idiot in the movie, then you can lead everybody too. Hey. And I never got that feeling from Poe in <laughs> no, Force Awakens. No. Wait, Noah, you're acting like that's not exactly what's happening in our country right now. <laughs> no, 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 I, that's a fair point. Not that's a fair me. point. <laughs> what kind of messages are we sending to our kids? <laughs> what kind of messages are we sending to our kids? That any any dumb person can become president? Yeah. It almost it almost seemed like I know it's it's a little silly and uh, you know, it's it's definitely a progressive thought, but uh uh, I think it sends the wrong message whenever he's doing all that. It kind of, to me, feels like it's like a kid whose mom is telling him to do something, and he's like, no, not gonna. Because <laughs> like, yeah. uh, they're kind of like, his mom's are like, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. And then he's like, I'm going to do it. And so now kids are going to watch that and think like, yeah, I don't really like listening to my mom either. The, dis- the disappointing thing is that in the next one, they're going to put... Poe Dameron in some dumb looking uh, space uh, uniform and let him sit in a chair for the whole thing and not give him any cool flying scenes. I bet he'll still probably find his way into an X-Wing. Well, that depends because they don't have any X-Wings right now. (laughs) Because again, as part of what Poe Dameron did, they are now completely like without ships. Yeah, he's a real he's a real great A dude. And, and like two things, cuz one, I don't remember him being like this in Force Awakens. He seemed to care about his team and like he seemed to care more about the resistance as a whole than he did in this one where he cared about going out and being the flying ace. And then two, like it's just there's no consequences to anything. And, like, you, the other problem is, in his whole subplot, being on the ship and being sort of, like, the mutiny and working against uh, Vice Admiral Holdo, is that whole subplot could have been solved had they had one conversation. Right. Like, because he keeps saying, like, well, what's our plan? Like, are we just going to sit here and eventually run out of gas? And she's like, well, I'm not telling you. You just gotta trust me. And so he's, he just sort of goes, well, she probably doesn't have a plan, so let me try to think up something. That's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit on both of them. He, they had a dumb idea going to get a, you know, some random dude off of a planet to try to hack into the ship or whatever they were going to do. And she was kind of dumb and not saying like, you know, we've kind of got something going on here. We're not just, we've not just forgotten that there's a giant ship chasing us. I was going to say, the characterization of Holdo was very interesting to me, because they, they introduce her, and then it's like, mm, she might be holding something back, or she might not be who she appears to be, and Poe Dameron's like, I don't know if I like her, and then Princess Leia comes in and goes, hey, she's cool, everybody, and then all they do is just make, and all of a sudden she's like a wonderful human being from then on. 
right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and it's because it's just like, oh, at that point, we need you to like this person again, so you realize Finn or Poe was wrong. But they only spent five minutes with that. Like, less than five. Like, it was like one scene where they planted this seed of doubt about her, and then they proceeded to just wipe it away, and (laughs) don't worry about that. She's great. Yeah, and then, and, oh, you, you're supposed to feel something really strong for her because she sacrificed herself, and it's like, you know, I just kind of met her. Yeah, so. and it, it's the same thing of, the thing that stuck out to me about that is the minute at the end of the movie where, like, Leia tells Poe what the plan was the whole time, he goes, oh, yeah, that could work, that's a good plan. And so then I just was kicking myself going, like, if they had mentioned that earlier, like, half of this movie wouldn't have happened. Right, you know what's you know what I think is funny. Like a lot of times in movies where you see a character sacrificing themselves for a large group, mm-hmm. uh, most of the time it's a character that is really prominent and everybody loves and has been like integral to the plot the entire mm-hmm. time. So that whenever they sacrifice themselves, it feels like a sacrifice. And it's like, no, there's got to be another way. No, I can't think of a way. I guess they're gone. No, I can't believe this is happening. In this one, it was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, good. <laughs> this uh, this should do it. Yeah. If they're going to throw somebody to the, to the volcano, though, I'd rather it be, you know, uh, Laura Dern than uh, Finn, because I thought they were going to kill him off, too, there at the end for a second. Yeah, it yeah. felt like, oh, thank God they chose this person. Like, it wasn't like at the yeah. end of Armageddon. It was like, uh, this is a pretty easy thing for me to resolve, you know, emotionally. Oh, no. So uh, not, not Laura uh, Dern. Oh, I'm dude. so sorry. We loved you so much. Bye. I will say, our sort of mutual friend across all of us who we work with, Lee Cruz, a wonderful stand-up comedian, host of Live with Lee and Haley, and Nobody knows him. of the Funkhouser Nobody situation. Uh, just another dude up, at the office just another dude at the office uh, he actually pitched that he thought it would have been better had that been Akbar instead of just random person that we introduced this movie and that way at the end of it when you know Admiral Akbar sacrifices himself to save the resistance it has a lot more weight to it yeah, because then I would have been like, no, 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 there's got to be another way. Well, it still would have been a throwaway, but it would have been a throwaway of somebody you knew and even slightly cared about. I mean, no one cares yeah. that much about Admiral Akbar. Yeah, I mean, you, you shut can, your you mouth. Can, you can, like, pretend fan fanboy over him and stuff, but at the end of the day, he just said, it's a trap! Yeah, he doesn't like, do yeah. anything. But it's, it's like he just ran in, like, he might as well have just ran in a scene and be like, there's cookies in the break room! Yeah. Like, he just pointed out the obvious. But it's one of those things of at least you have some connection to him. And it would make sense why he would stay on the ship, because I believe that is his personal ship. Yeah. So he would have just been like, nope, <laughs> Captain, Captain goes down with the ship. Also, did anybody else, when, when uh, Laura Dern came on screen, did anybody else think in their head, tonight the role of Laura Dern will be played by Glenn Close? <laughs> yeah, kind <laughs> of. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and one thing I kept expecting is I was like, okay, well, they have this character who can kind of be the new Leia for the next movie because, sadly, you have the situation with Carrie Fisher. Wait, what? Where she passed away. I'm sorry, Chris. I hate to bring it to you. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert for real life <laughs> For news. life, yeah. <laughs> I haven't read that yet. I really backlogged on my newspapers. I had a I had an article titled "You'll Never Guess What Happens to Princess Leia in Real Life," waiting to <laughs> oh. read. Oh, so many people are getting mad at us right now. I'd like to apologize to everyone <laughs> listening, except you. You know who you are. But that one it, person out there. It's one of those things where I was like, okay, well, they have this character who can kind of be the new Leia for the next movie, and she's gone. Okay, she's gone, so that's that's all out the window now. And I don't want to be crass, but, like, they, you know, I was wondering, like, okay, what are they going to do? Because, you know, Carrie Fisher died, and that really sucks. But she died. So how are they going to resolve this in the movies in a way that's not too hokey? And then... We get in the movie, she gets blasted, and she's floating through space, and I'm like, okay. So they kill her off. That's that's what I thought was going to happen. 
and then she flies back. And my first thought is, wait, are you telling me they filmed a scene where Carrie, where Leia dies? Mm-hmm. So they already had an out right there. They had two outs. The other out could have been her, her taking out that ship, her in the Laura Dern. Situation. Right, and that, that would have required that they extra had to film. filming. They would have well, had not to film really, that. because all Laura Dern did was stand there and look out a window. She didn't talk yeah, to anybody. They could have taken some. They could have taken, taken a still photo and put it in the and, and CGI'd it in there. Yeah, that's right. They could have. Yeah. You're right. She also work. stared out that window for a long time <laughs> as the resistance kept exploding before she decided to do anything. You know what's crazy too? Like she's standing there and you know, she's still standing there with like perfect posture and she's really composed. If I was sitting there and I was about to sacrifice myself like by like blowing myself through a bunch of ships, then I'd probably slouch in my chair a little bit. I wouldn't be too worried about, you know, my posture. Yeah, she did look or, like she was going to the Met Gala. Yeah, I'd roll my <laughs> sleeves up, you know, and I'd slouch back in my chair and crack open a cold one, something. Eat a pizza. Well, Eat a pizza. A whole pizza. Don't stop. Don't count the <laughs> calories. Don't put them in your app. Everybody's putting them in apps now. Don't do it. <laughs> well, Noah, she knew she had to look professional because she knew she was about to do something that would look amazing visually. <laughs> I mean... And it did. Literally the coolest looking thing that's ever happened probably in a movie definitely that sequence was like beautiful and amazing and like perfect as oh that's one of the best things in a star wars movie yeah right there. That, that was my first thought whenever i saw it coming like she started turning around first thought turning the person beside me and like one reason they're doing this it's about to look cool as fuck so yeah and it did <laughs> I I knew they put that in there because it was gonna blow my mind to pieces. Cause I have, cause you know everybody who's ever watched Star Wars or Star Trek or anything has sat there and wondered like, oh, what if they ran into something? What would happen then? That's what would happen. Wait, we've seen that, haven't we? Have we seen that before? No, I don't think so. Have, have we seen that in a Star Trek? Maybe you've seen two things fight while they're both in hyperspace. No, but ha- we've seen ships run into each other in space before, though. Not in hyperspace. Not, not, not oh, yeah, in yeah. hyper. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. You're right. Not hyperspeed. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've heard about it a lot, because, like, uh, what is it, Empire Strikes Back, or might have been New Hope, like Han Solo says something along the lines of, we can't just, like, punch it whenever, because you have to calculate or you'll end up inside an asteroid or something. Right. But it was cool as fuck. You think there was anything really on cool. the ship that was like, hey, this is not going to go well. Saying. Like a little <laughs> alarm thing that's like, beep, beep. The hey. Microsoft paperclip shows up. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> it looks like you're trying to destroy an Empire ship. Would you like help? <laughs> I can show you where the cold ones are to crack open. Just lay back mm-hmm. in your chair. But, yeah, that whole sequence, I think from that moment on through pretty much the end of the movie, it felt like a Star Wars movie, and it was really good. And, like, I remember it ended incredibly well. Yeah. Because you go from that to the whole thing on Crate, um, to the Resistance flying away on board the Millennium Falcon. Well, I'll tell you this about, like, my thoughts on the movie. Because the, the reason I'm so torn is, like, when I think... The farther I get away from having seen it, the more I think back on it and think, like, that was so super cool. And I think the reason Mm -hmm. is because, like I said earlier, there's so many good Star Wars moments in it and stuff. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm getting farther away from it, like, you know, I've not got as clear of a picture of them all put together as a whole. But Mm -hmm. I think the big problem for me was just, you know, like, it just was, it felt awkwardly put together to me and like the pacing was a little weird but you know now that I'm just thinking back on it I'm just thinking of like the cool stuff I saw I'm not thinking about like well that kind of dragged on for a minute that scene did and stuff and I don't really like I don't really appreciate a lot of the stuff I read online where they like they try to explain why people don't like it and stuff and they're always like really weird reasons and stuff they're like oh they just don't like it because they just they don't like it because they're not progressive enough, or they just don't like it because they mm-hmm. don't like people changing. 
things that they, you know, they want it to all be the same as it always was and everything. And it's like, I'm allowed to not like it for whatever reason I don't like it for. And I like it, but I'm, you know, I feel like I'm allowed to not like it for a reason other than why you think I don't like it. I read a great thing. um, I think Lee and I were talking about this today. The opening of the Economist review said that everything you needed to know was in like the first four minutes of the movie. And that was Ray handed the lightsaber to Luke and he just tossed it over his shoulder, right? And then right after that, the first time you see Kylo Ren, they're like, take off that dumb mask. And he takes the mask off and smashes it, which is another thing that is kind of a Star Wars symbolism. So they're they're like, you should have known those two cues said, okay, it might be... The passing, uh, the passing, the torch onto a more progressive version of whatever this is, and I like that. I just, I like that. I think that's yeah. the reason that critics like it so much and stuff. But I just thought, like, yes, I like all that stuff, but why not just, why not just work on the construction of it just a little bit? I know, and I think the biggest problem I have is whenever you get articles by critics who love the movie trying to explain why fans don't like it. The assumption is always, well, they don't like it because it's more progressive, because they're changing characters. I saw one where it's like, oh, they just don't like it because it like disproves fan theories. And I didn't like, even there's... care about that. I loved it whenever they were just like, yeah, your parents are nobody. I was like, no, <laughs> loser. That, <laughs> when they revealed Ray's parents were just nobodies. I still don't. Who's... I still don't buy that. By the way, I don't really. Oh, buy I it do. I don't because, and here's why. Uh... That is a that is a classic like abusive relationship tactic. Yeah, you know, and and yeah, he, he is he could very easily be manipulating her to get her to do what he wants to do because he has a some sort of connection to her that he treasures. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants also, to keep Brian her. Johnson doesn't have con- he's not writing the next movie at all. Like he has no control over not. it. He has no idea what's happening in it. So like that that just. Honestly, you could boil that down to just a throwaway line that probably won't have any significance on whether or not her parents are anybody mm-hmm. in particular because it could have just been a lie. Yeah. And you have you do have like Chris said kind of a untrustworthy narrator in Kylo Ren there because like he has reason to want her to believe she's nobody. I actually kind of hope they stick with it though. Because I do like the idea that she's not a Skywalker or she's not a Kenobi. She is just someone else who the Force has touched. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I I mean, say, bear in mind that J.J. Um, Abrams did produce this movie. So he signed off on all of this. And apparently, you know, he, he's doing the next one. So he knows where this is going. I think that the thing with Ryan Johnson is you got to be like, okay, there might be a lot of stuff he did you didn't like, but it was all endorsed by J.J. Abrams, who you love, and he's bringing it back together in part three, and you got to kind of trust that a bit, right? Yeah. I'm not entirely sure it was endorsed by J.J. Abrams, because uh, there are stories coming out that like the, for- the ending of The Force Awakens had to be changed in order to fit The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And stuff Ryan Johnson wanted to do because Ryan Johnson wrote the script for this movie before Force Awakens was finished. Oh, well, I so, like I like Ryan Johnson too. I just I just mm-hmm. they're just a little tiny things I felt like weren't it just didn't fit in it. And if they were out, like I think it would be you know I think if they took out even if they did the small thing of taking out the casino scene, I think it would automatically oh, jump up to, scene. like, the top three Star Wars movies. Like, if they just took out the casino stuff, where they just went on some planet and released a bunch of horses for what amounted to no reason. Yeah, yeah. listen, the the scene, and I know that it flies in the face of canon. It flies in the face of everything we've come to think we know about the Jedi. But the scene where we realize that Luke is not really there is probably one of my favorite moments sitting yeah. in a movie theater uh-huh. all year long because Kylo just just unload you know he has a, he has the, every gun they have to fire right at Luke and they just yeah. blow the the hell out of it and then you realize oh my god he's not there and you and you, the movie feeds that to you so that you are meant to discover that mm-hmm. the second before you see the shot 
of Luke back on his back at home, mm-hmm. and it, it, honestly, it was it was one of my favorite moments of 2017 in the theater. I mean, it, it, yeah. was, it was great. It was great. I love the way they set it up early in the movie too, with like someone saying that uh, you know you could you can't project yourself that far with the force; it would kill you. Blah blah. blah like when Kylo said it, but then like uh, I, I was just blown away because the whole time I was thinking like. Oh my god, he's so strong with the force. He stopped all those lasers, and then suddenly, like when they started fighting, I was like, "Why is he not letting him hit him?" And then I was like, "Cause he's not really there. Of course, he's not really there. Holy shit!" Like just fucking blew my mind. That was great. And there's a cool hint that I didn't realize what it meant right away, but then looking back on it, I was like, "Oh, that's amazing." Because you have the salt planet there, and they set up early on, like when people walk on there, it's a thin layer of salt over like this oh, red yeah. clay. And so everyone leaves footprints. But if you watch, Luke <clears throat> never leaves footprints. That's interesting. Whenever he walks across, it just remains the white salt the entire yeah. time. That, yeah, that, I was distracted by a lot of other things. <laughs> no, yeah, it was just a little thing I noticed. And that's then after really cool. everything happened, I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. They also um, cleverly set up the fact that, oh, if, the, if two people have this connection, this mental connection... That you remember how how um, Ray and Kaloran eventually started being able to feel like they were touching each other mm-hmm. because you had to have Luke kiss Leia on the forehead, mm-hmm. right? So she had to be so you had to be able to play that. You couldn't be like, oh well, if he was a ghost, you you know that, that wouldn't happen. So he right. had to have been able to make her feel that touch as well, which they also cleverly set up. Also, another thing. Everything that happened with Kylo and Rey was like the coolest stuff that's ever happened. It was incredibly interesting. It was incredibly cool, and it leads to one of the coolest lightsaber fights ever. I thought Throw, it led to that out. I thought it led to like a, a very kind of short throwaway line that I thought played off of like every other movie so far. Whenever he's like asking her to come to the dark side, like in a lot of movies. Like, that's always, like, a big moment in these movies. Mm-hmm. And then his character is so different. Like, the coolest fucking Star Wars character is Kylo Ren. And uh, he says, please, afterward. So it's like, he's trying to ask her to come to the dark side, and then he's just, he's so lonely and devastated by, like, that he ever not coming. He's like, he's, like, begging her at the end of it, too. He's not mm-hmm. like, Luke, join me on the dark side. He's like, he's like, uh, you know, just says, join me. He's like, please, like begging her. And I was like, oh my God, that's the coolest mm-hmm. thing in the world. That's like the best line in any movie, any of these movies. It is really interesting. And then uh, another interesting dynamic they have is the first time when they kind of like touch hands through the force and like he kind of convinces her to come to where he is, like he takes off his glove and so it's like, look, I'm reaching out, not as, like, Kylo Ren, but as, like, a person. And then later when he asks her to join him, he still has his glove on, so it's both a physical and emotional barrier being presented. I know that when, uh, that, that, that it's very small, but the scene where um, Kylo Ren was, was it was Ren, uh, Ray, Ray was getting ready to be choked out, and... Kylo threw her the lightsaber. No, Re- oh, who was it? It was Kylo Ren. Did it. he? He put the lightsaber up over his shoulder and and just turned it on, and it went right yeah. to that dude's head. <laughs> yeah, Ray yeah. threw Kylo That's Ren the lightsaber. Yeah, my son thought that was the coolest move in the entire movie. Like he was talking about that on the way on the way to the car. Like he thought that was so so cool, and it was. It was it was really one of the best fight scenes, I think. Yeah, in the Star mm-hmm. Wars universe. I mean, it was great. But Lee had a good point that he thought that it was kind of BS because he said, you know, you telling me that Snoke can be inside Ben's head so much that he can forge a connection between him and between him and Ray, and he doesn't know that Ben's gonna gonna kill him. Yeah, that is weird. I think the thing they're hoping you go for there is that, much like the Emperor, he is, like, overconfident. But at the same time, it was like, surely you would at least, like, hear a lightsaber turning next to you? Because mm-hmm. I thought, like, someone who is clearly that strong in the Force, because 
at the beginning, they help establish him as a threat by, like, he moves Hux around and beats him up with the Force effortlessly from who knows how far away. He's nowhere near him. I think that, to me, it, to me, it kind of felt like he was, you know, they were showing that, like, you know, that Emperor Snoke thought that he was pulling the strings and that he was the ultimate badass. And then Kylo Ren's like, yeah, no. Like, you know, he thought, you know, I, I know everything you're thinking. I know all this. I constructed all this. And to me, it felt like, you know, Kylo Ren's like, yeah, you can't, you can't control me you don't know everything i'm thinking i can do this look at this you're dead like i kind of just thought it was them showing that uh he thought he was in control of everything and that kyle ren actually was which he now is yeah he now is so i just thought and, that was a way of subverting like your expectation of who the like main bad guy was and and that's a common thing i've heard from people uh who are defending this movie is that ryan johnson frequently did stuff to subvert expectations, certainly with what happens with Snoke, certainly with uh, Ray's parents, and, like, elements along that way. However, then I think you have... There are times where it works well, and then there are times where it really doesn't work. And so, subverting expectations, I think it is a cool thing to be in a movie, but if that's your only trick, it's going to be noticeable when it doesn't work. Well, I'll tell you this. In a climate where I think a lot of blockbuster movies right now are having issues with coming up with really good villains, mm-hmm. this movie has like one of my favorite villains of any movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Very dynamic, definitely. And you know, the more I talk about it, like I, I know, like. You know, if you guys remember, whenever I first came in after seeing it, I thought the movie was a dumpster fire. The entire movie was a dumpster fire. And now... You were a lot harsher on it than I was. I'm starting to swing around and think, I wouldn't mind seeing this movie again, and I might just go see it again next week. (laughs) I probably will. I know I've had my complaints so far about it, but I probably will see it again, and I can almost guarantee I'll be buying it. And it's, I don't want to come across as I think this is a terrible movie. I think it's good. I just think there's a lot of moments there that waste potential for a great movie. But I think the fanboys have kind of gone off the deep end a little bit. Because, I mean, it's like... Oh, Lord. Yeah, like, like I read today, somebody talked about um, how it was a travesty that we didn't get to know Snoke more. You know, like, we wanted to know more about Snoke, and we wanted to know where he came from, and how he got there. And it's like, okay, really? Did you really? Would you have rather had a whole lot more of, of Snoke than Luke Skywalker? Really? Is that, is that what you would have preferred? I wouldn't say that, but I would prefer a lot more of Snoke than Finn and Rose. You know, I, 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 was, I get that, but I mean, like, but, but it's like, I, I think that the problem with some of the fans is they want everything. And it's like you can't yeah. have everything. A movie is a fine it's a finite thing. It has to end sometime. No one's gonna turn uh-huh. out a four hour movie. I mean, they, maybe you would watch it, but not the, the normal you know American family wouldn't take their kids to see it. I mean, like I get it, but they're not making movies just for you, dummy. They're making it yeah. for everybody. So we have to try mm-hmm. to try to compromise so we can please everybody and make everybody happy in some way. I think. I think a little bit of my feelings towards the movie, too, were affected by the fact that the people behind me, there were three high school students who, I'm not kidding you, from the beginning of the movie till the end of the movie, talked at regular speaking volume to each other. And I'm sitting there seething with rage, and I know, like, you're probably thinking, well, why don't you just turn around and give them the old shush? I really don't want to be that guy... Because I feel like, I automatically feel like I'm being the asshole if I shush somebody. Like, that I've switched from them being the asshole to me being the asshole. But they talked through the entire movie, and by the end of it, I was seething with rage. And, like, at one point during the movie, they were talking so much, I pulled a Twizzler out of my bag and was holding it in my hand. And... (laughs) 
had planned to step my plan was like if they don't shut up i'm gonna stand up and throw the twizzler at them and just be like rude <laughs> and i, I was like, like i can't shush them because that'll be rude but throwing a twizzler yeah. at them is perfectly okay <laughs> instead of shutting them up i'm gonna give them the best story of their young lives <laughs> <laughs> like, and uh, i thought instantly i'm gonna switch from the person who's having to deal with a bunch of kids talking behind him to the guy who ruined everyone's day by screaming rude in the middle of a movie and like a Eventually, we got to like, you know, okay, so you know the moment with Luke where like the ultimate awesome thing happens with Luke where it turns out he's not there, you know, and he's projecting himself. One of them screamed, like yelled out a joke in the middle of that that wasn't even funny. Like if it was funny, I would forgive it a little more, but they said like, they just go, I'm not your father. And then they all start laughing at each other and being like, like, while the whole theater's quiet and it's in the middle of that moment. And I finally did, I'm not proud of this, but I finally did break my si- my wall of silence and I turned around and I was like, shh. <laughs> and then they shut up, but then they slowly started whispering again. And by the end of it, they were back to talking at full volume. And whenever the credits rolled, I was like, I'm going to say something to them. But I still had it in the back of my mind, like, I cannot become the asshole. I cannot become the asshole. So I just stood up and swung around and gave them the craziest death stare in my arsenal and just (laughs) stared at all three of them, each individually, just like, you, then you, then you. And I made them very uncomfortable because someone who, to them frankly, is a grown man is just staring at them in a movie theater as if we're about to jump over at them and then just walked away. <laughs> I definitely made them feel very awkward, though. They did not get up until I was gone. So you're saying, Noah, that you were having your own internal struggle between the light and dark side through that movie? I, yes, exactly. I was Luke I in that scene. I don't want to become this person, but I might have to be. It might be unavoidable. I felt very I felt very close to Luke whenever he was in that scene where he's about to strike down Kylo Ren and then he's just like he's a kid cuz I'm thinking the same thing I'm just like god I just want to pelt these little fuckers with twizzlers for the rest of the night just start throwing them one at a time individ- like at each of them individually and then I'm just like no they're just children Noah they're just children you're not an old man yet you can't do these old man things you have to pretend this is okay I love painting the scene in my mind of it's the exact same thing of Luke standing yeah. over Kylo Ren with the lightsaber, only it's you holding a twist. That's what it and just, was and in the, the kids, movies. The kids slowly turn around and just give you a look before reaching for a Twizzler themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and then collapsing the movie theater in on all of us. <laughs> yeah. I was so angry. I probably talked about that more than I talked about the movie afterward. I felt I, I like thinking back on it. I'm like, God, I am such an old man. Like these kids ruining it. I will say I was worried I was going to have an experience like that because they showed the trailer for a quiet place beforehand, mm. and all it, and like it's the trailer's pretty much all quiet naturally and then at one point there's like noise and it's just a lamp that falls over and a lady two seats down from me gave like this huge blood curdling scream <laughs> I was like it's fine it's just a lamp this, that was not the worst experience I've had in a movie I've had several the worst one I've had is whenever I saw the second installment of the Hobbit trilogy because you were watching the second installment of the Hobbit trilogy. That was the second worst thing that was happening while I was in that. Because I was sitting next to someone who was dead. Wait, what? Who had probably, by the smell of them, been dead for some time. (laughs) But had somehow been reanimated to attend the second Hobbit movie? At one point, I started thinking about what the smell could be. It was so bad. And I threw up in my mouth. (laughs) Oh, oh. Why why did you just get up and move? There were no seats. It was the second Hobbit movie (laughs) at midnight. It was either sit there or sit in the floor. 
Well, look, Noah, that guy said he would not shower until they finished the Hobbit trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) And by God, he was going to continue that. Until they finish the Hobbit trilogy or Tibet is free, whichever comes first. (laughs) I had to take a shower in the middle of the third movie just because it was so long that it spanned three days. And it's like, it was a three day long movie. And I thought, I got to take a shower at some point. So I... In that one, the theater smelled fine, and I still threw up in my mouth. So. I was going to say, no, let's be honest. There's a good chance in a lot of those Hobbit movies, there's a lot of stinky people wherever you sit. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. But you don't understand. This guy <laughs> you would were smell there, Chris. like he was dead. <laughs> you didn't smell what he smelled. You didn't smell what the Hobbit was cooking. You've not seen what I've seen! <laughs> I couldn't even look around and see who it was. Like, I looked around, I couldn't see anyone that fit the profile or smelling like they were you dead. You didn't see anybody with stink lines coming off of them? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you didn't see Pigpen? No. <laughs> Just a bunch of regular nerds. You were like, any one of these people could smell like this by the looks of yeah. them. <laughs> this, was a, this was a collaborative effort, I see. It was a perfect storm. Uh, a perfect storm of what the smell smells but i think i'm gonna go see last jedi again and i i find that when i think back i I think that what i what i'm thinking i might find when i go see it is that i'll be reminded of the reasons that not that i didn't like it i'll be reminded of the reasons that i thought it had problems but i'll still get to see all the awesome star wars moments yeah, I think as it, as we get distance from it, most people will remember the good parts of it. The parts the shirtless Kylo Ren wars. scene, am I right? Eh? The, the shirtless, <laughs> super high pants. <laughs> yeah. I mean, scene. he looked like he looked like a fifties boxer. He had like a really high waist and a really wide body. It, it was like they were like, "Okay, Adam Driver, you're doing a shirtless scene." He's like, "Great, but do you mind if I pull my pants up to somewhere around?" my nipples <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> I just i feel comfortable with them right up here yeah they're like adam do you want to why are you wearing your pants that high what this is how i wear my pants uh mr, <laughs> mr. driver mr driver we have a he he wears his pants like this well tell him to pull him down no you don't understand this is how mr driver wears his pants he can't his dick <laughs> is really high <laughs> I just imagine it's something like, oh man, I forgot to work out for the shirtless scene. I don't have abs. I like to well, think... we'll just cover him up with the pants. I like to think he has to wear his pants that high because his dick is literally right under I his can't... belly button. <laughs> it's like, I can't, Look, you don't understand. It's not right. Look, this, these pants are the difference between this being PG-13 yeah. and NC-17. Call, call today for your own pair of Kylo Ren ab pants. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, I'd like to reiterate that he was wide like pancakes. <laughs> I look at him; it looks like he's wearing his dad's torso. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I'm not gonna disagree. <laughs> he has, he has as, dad bod. Yeah, he only like red, dad he had. Okay, hold on. Whoa, let's not be unfair. Okay, for, he, he had, had ripped dad's bod. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He had dad who works out, Bod. Well, you know, the podcast started out pretty good, and then they just all kind of started talking <laughs> yeah. about Kylo Ren without clothes <laughs> yeah. on for like 20 minutes. <laughs> we all, took we a real, it was took a real wide here. turn. <laughs> oh, come on. For us, that is not a wide turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more about it tomorrow. <laughs> but I, I think, though, to get back to what you were saying, no, if you go see it again... I think that now that you have, I mean, think about it. You're going to see it, and you're going to be much freer. You're going to be unburdened by the uh, those dark. Well, you're going to be well. You're going to be unburdened by them, but you're also going to be unburdened by the the worry of what is going to happen, and if you will approve of that, or if you'll like it, and and what the answers to the many questions you have will be. And so now you know all those things. So now you can just sit back and watch it. It's like it's a real movie, you know. Yeah, I'll tell you what yeah. I did like. Uh, just. Quick shout out to those frog nuns. Oh yeah, those are great. That yeah, scene great. where he she knocked the rock off 
and it almost hits them. Got such a gigantic laugh in our theater. Yeah. Like it was oh, yeah. I think it was so unexpected that it caught everybody off guard. It was a really enjoyable little sight gag. Well, let me tell you this. I think that a lot I think that the experience of like what people's reactions to things in the movie theater plays a big part in what you think of a movie too. Like uh-huh. uh for me, when I watch like for paranormal activity as an example, when I watch that in the theater, I was scared shitless from the moment that like the preview started until the time that I left. And then when I saw it at home, I really didn't think I was like, yeah, I really don't think this movie is scary at all. So and then I think my experience in the theater I think that I was not the only one who was getting really upset by those kids talking really loud because I felt like, you know, my movie theater, first of all, it was not full. I went on Friday night and I didn't go to the primetime showing. I went to like the 930. At IMAX? Mine was not full. No, not at IMAX, but mine was not full. And it was the 3D. doesn't see every movie The only one they had left was 3D and not as many people go see that anymore, frankly. But um, I think... There were a lot more people than me that were upset by those people talking, and it was ruining their experience, too. So, like, you know, we had, like, that. I think that got a good laugh, but there were a lot of moments that, like, there was no clapping after it was over or anything, and there weren't a lot of, like, you know, full audience reactions like that you got in Force Awakens. Because I remember when I was in Force Awakens, the audience was going fucking wild. Yeah, but I think also part of that is Force Awakens was the first one after a long break. Well, Chris said, you know, people were going wild in his, and I think that they were in, a, like, mostly everybody's. I think that I got a bad showing of it, because I, got, I was at a non-prime slot, like, you know, nine th- like the 7 and 7.30 were, like, the prime slots that are 2D. I got a 3D one at 9.30 on a Friday, which is the day after the premiere, so it's it just weren't that many people. You, you walked out, you're like, I wonder why nobody liked that movie. And everybody was wearing Captain Phasma t-shirts, and they were like, "Oh, oh that must, oh, that must be why she uh, didn't have a big, didn't have a great showing in that film." <laughs> Phasma has been a character where they clearly designed the look of the character before they decided anything <laughs> about them. So, like, oh, it's a stormtrooper, but she's all chrome and she like looks awesome. Okay, what's she do in these like two movies? Really nothing. Yeah. She's basically she doesn't a really, really do serious, anything of merit. She's basically a really serious version of one of the three stooges. <laughs> she's constantly basically. failing, but she takes herself very seriously. Well, she's basically Boba Fett. She has a very cool design, but in actuality gets knocked into a Sarlacc pit by a blind That's a great man. point. That's a very good parallel. Yes. Like, it's Boba Fett who is remembered for the fact he has an awesome costume and not for the fact that he was mostly ineffectual in the movies. Yeah, yeah. like, I think that the he gets written off as, like, the biggest badass in the world because, like, like, one of the things is just that line where Vader's like, no disintegrations, and he's like... As you wish, as if he could easily do that. But, you know, I'll bet one of the people standing next to him is thinking, like, you couldn't disintegrate shit, you useless piece of fuck. (laughs) It's the same thing as he doesn't even capture Han Solo. Vader does that. Vader just basically hands him a frozen Han Solo and he goes and collects the bounty. Mm. And the minute he has to defend himself at all, a blind man knocks him overboard. (laughs) A A bumbling blind man. I think yeah, with exactly. the right, I think with the right theme music, fo- theme music following him around, he would be a very like he would basically be the comedic relief of that. Movie. Are you, are you suggesting Yakety Sax? Yeah, if Yakety Sax played when he was like on screen, then he would, you know, he would be the comic relief in Star Wars. I I could entirely see that. It would be I speaking think, of that scene. I don't know why I just thought it would be really cool to see another hut. Uh, represented in these movies we've only seen jabba right we well we saw i think some of his family oh yeah it's a pod racer scene have a hut in it in the uh yeah Yeah, right and you know you're right i think the one thing that fans are still clamoring for are giant morbidly obese uh alien worms (laughs) Well, don't you worry, Noah. There are, and I wish I was kidding, rumors of a Jabba the Hutt solo prequel origins movie. <laughs> Buddy comedy. Nice. It's between Just... him and that little, like, that little, uh... Salacious crumb? Yeah. Bird squirrel that sits under his tail. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Bib, for- Bib Fortuna getting in the way all the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, why I ought to slime right over there. But I think as we get distance from this movie, and I plan to see it again at some point too, and I think it's just people will hopefully remember the better parts of this. Mm. I think it has a very strong opening. It has a very, very strong end, especially that last scene with it shows a group of kids. Because the whole premise, the whole point of it is it's trying to show like, well, hope has kind of returned to the galaxy. And you have uh, people who are, you have kids who are talking about what Luke did and they've clearly inspired them. And there's a nice shot of like a kid who sort of uses the force to pull a broom to himself, staring out into the night sky. And I thought like visually like that works very well for Star Wars. I think the the problems with this movie come in like the second act where it just kind of slows to a snail's pace. And I've seen a lot of people... My main problem with a lot of how it's been handled, like, critically in articles is it just tends to be people going, like, well, people don't like it because it's different, or people don't like it because of this reason. And, like, I saw one person who wrote, like, okay, well, maybe people don't like it because there are moments in the plot that don't work. Like, you know, Benicio Del Toro's character doesn't even get a name ever said aloud in the movie and yet somehow has information that is a huge plot moment later on. By the way, did you see that that Ryan Johnson said in an interview he thought briefly about putting Lando in that place? Lando would have been better in that He said that and then he thought, but then he said I don't think people would have wanted to see him betray them again. Because they thought that's kind of what he did the first time. So yeah. So he said that's why uh, we didn't do it. But they they did. We talked about that today at work. And yeah, they they did mm-hmm. they did think about doing that. But I was gonna say, do you if you remember way back, and you could probably still find these articles from the you know from you know three years ago. You know when they like about a month or two or three months after Force Awakens kind of calmed down, and people started talking about the next installment. If you recall, Ryan Johnson said a bunch of stuff in the press about, "Hey, this is going to be a really different movie." Like he he really mm-hmm. tipped he really gave a lot of hints at that time that this was going to be a movie that a lot of people might not be sure if they like or not. And I cuz I remember thinking, "Why would he be saying this stuff? Like why wouldn't he be really selling this?" But now I look at this and I go, "Well, he knew that it might divide people." Yeah. <clears throat> he seems like a pretty cool dude, too. I mean, he's he's a talented director. He's done a lot of good work. I just I think there's just elements of this that this was the longest Star Wars movie yet, and I think the problem is it kind of felt like it because yeah. like you normally you've had Star Wars movies, and even if they're long, they kind of move really well. This was the first one where there's like a moment in the middle where it's like, how long have I been in here? Because it feels like a while. But I saw this quote in a Vox article that I kind of loved because they briefly mentioned there are plot problems, but they dismissed it by, ultimately, these sorts of plot holes and storytelling choices are of less interest to critics who tend to focus more on a film's craft and its themes than fans who like to pick apart the nitty-gritty details of a movie. And part of me is just like, but like part of a film's craft is how it flows in the edit. Like, how it goes scene to scene. And so, to completely say that's not important to whether or not this is a good film seems a little disingenuous. I think a lot of this backlash is going to die down. And I think that the further people get away from the fact that they maybe it wasn't exactly what they thought they were going to see when they sat down. Um, Mm -hmm. And they start actually thinking, but it was a lot of fun. And there was a lot of cool stuff in it. I think you're going to eventually see Last Jedi remembered fondly, but right now we the backlash is just too hot, you know. I I think it will too cuz like Force Awakens got a lot of that when it first kicked on or when it first came out and it started to calm down. Like people are now going, "Okay, it's not terrible." And like it's probably like this will be very divisive until episode nine comes out and people complain about stuff in episode nine and then forgive a lot of stuff in episode right. eight. 
right? You can't make everybody happy. Uh, you, we should have known this was going to there was this that this would be a thing for somebody about something, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's inevitable. I will say, probably my takeaway from it, I'm I'm very mixed on it. I think it's probably a good movie overall, but it's you know it is not a perfect movie it has its share of problems but it also has its share of just breathtaking and very star wars moments i loved it um i i will be unabashed in that i mean i know it's got problems but i thought it was fantastic it was you know at the end of the day it was all i wanted from a star wars movie even if it was a little wonky in places but um i had a blast and it was one i mean Again, it's like I said, it's one of the most fun I've had in a movie theater all year, so can't be all bad. And you know, now like when I think back on it now, I just think of like I try to I, I try to compare it to Return of the Jedi in some ways that like mm-hmm. there was a lot of weird hokey stuff in that, but I don't complain about Return of the Jedi like cuz it was uh, you know, I think it's awesome. And like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's very similar in this one that I can forgive pretty easily, so I'll go ahead and Say that I'm going to try to just forgive it, yeah, for this. I mean, as well. If if time shows that this is the worst Star Wars movie, you know. Oh, well, first of all, first of all, it's not. But second of all, if this ends up being the worst Star Wars movie, it's still a great run for Star Wars because I mean they've now made a whole bunch of movies and they've all been very entertaining. You know, I mean, so yeah. they, they, it's it's fine. You know, the franchise yeah. is fine. Best advice is just kind of go see it for yourself if you haven't seen it already. <laughs> if you haven't, make your if own. If you opinion. haven't seen it already, you just wasted a lot of time and got a lot of stuff ruined. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> should have done this in a different order. <laughs> if you haven't seen it already, you probably haven't made it to this part of you the basically, podcast. You've basically seen it now. Yeah. If you. Uh, if there's anything else you need to know about it, just DM me on Twitter, and I'll just send you... I'll just write out my thoughts on the entire plot, and you'll have seen it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for us for this round of Nerds for Normal People. It'll probably be, I would imagine, after New Year's before we record again. So, just want to say thank you to everyone who has been listening, and I wish you all Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Oh, so we're saying that again, huh? <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> I am saying that. Merry Christmas, right. happy holiday. Hey, hey, have fun doing this with you guys. I hope you have a good yeah. holiday. All right, thank you guys. You too, Chris. I also right. have fun doing it. <laughs> you know, it's it's okay. I'm not void of sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. All right, see you, nerds. <laughs>